0: Welcome, 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 one and all, back to No Tech Talk. It is early morning. I had to get some coffee. Feeling good, though. I had to put some honey in there so my voice could have the sauce on the mic, and I have a very special guest today. Um, I do I do think that the timing of this particular podcast is great because of my issues, my technical difficulties. Uh, I think we was going to do this maybe like a couple months ago, and in the last couple of months the world has almost ended, right? So it's been crazy. But I have uh, Pastor Dwight Durry here. Uh, he's actually a neighbor of mine from where I'm from, from Alabama. He's a Cajun roots, Louisiana, homegrown, right? Loves Jesus, family man. We share a fervent love for coffee. Uh, he has an, he's also an essential oil enthusiast, which we're gonna get to later on as well. And he's the pastor of the youth department at the Summit Church. So with all that being said... Insert applause here. How you doing, Pastor right
1: Man, I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing good. How about you?
0: I'm good. Uh, I'm living life. It's raining outside now, so I think it stopped, maybe. What? Well, um, it's raining where you are? Because it's yeah, not raining here. It was just raining. Just woke up. It's probably wasn't the only podcast I've done in the morning because your schedule is crazy. <laughs> so, uh... I love it, though. Uh, The reason why I wanted to have you on is because, especially now, oh my goodness, is to have a uh, kind of a different perspective on kind of like what you do. Obviously, you know, we'll get into like how you got into ministry and kind of your journey with God and kind of just really um, pouring into people, which is a big thing as well. So I kind of want to get right on into it. And so what, what, uh, how'd you get started? How'd you, you know, what did you realize that you had this calling to be a pastor and, you know, Pretty much an entrepreneur too.
1: Yeah, man. So I was 16 years old, Jay. Whenever uh, my life radically changed, um, yeah. I can say the word "radical" because uh, before that, I mean, I was I was never in church. Uh, I, I won't say never. It was it was it was, it was not often. <clears throat> but you and I both know that whenever you're young, there's a lot of things that are impressionable mm-hmm. uh, that can come against you and sometimes in a negative way, but also in a positive way. So for me, man, it took people who did not know me to love me right where I was in life, uh, believe in me. And I knew that there was something in this person or in these people that was so different than I've ever experienced before. And of course, it was Jesus. We know that. So man, it radically changed my life. And I remember at 16, I was a junior in high school. um, I was at a pivotal point where I was willing to dabble into things that I know I shouldn't, but I was willing to do it because I, I wanted attention. I wanted mm-hmm. to be loved and I wanted that popularity from, from my peers. Right. Well, my, my life radically changed and God came and met me right where I was. And I remember that summer I went to my first summer camp church camp ever. And Jed, for me, that's where there was a turning point where I felt like because my life changed as a young person. if this happened for me, then I want to see this happen to as many young people as possible in my life. Why young people though? Young Not people?
0: Why? Yeah. Cause you could be doing it with everybody, but like, it's just, I think it takes a particular person to deal with kids, you know, and patience, empathy, of, right?
1: <laughs> it does. I won't, I won't, you know, I won't lie to you, man. I think I might've questioned that in years past yeah. because it does take a lot of patience. Uh, now that I have my own kids, you're constantly hitting a nail on a head. You can't just do it once and expect them to do it. You got to hit it. You got to hit it. You got to mm-hmm. hit it until they get it. And they got to want it incredibly bad. For me, I wanted it. I wanted that change and I turned it over to God, man, and I ran with it. Okay. So I know that whenever I came to the conclusion in my own life that if this happened for me, that I know it can happen for others. And I just... Had a strong passion for this generation of young people, mm. in particular junior high and high school people. Um, to me, that's some of your most pivotal points in your life. Yeah, and I think when you can meet right on your journey, your path with the gospel of Jesus, man, that's that. Uh, it's fun, but it's it's catchy, mm. and the culture is constantly changing every three or four months. So you got to stay on top of your game. You got to find out what's going on, and uh, it's a challenge, and I like it. So that. That's just a in, a in a small nutshell of why I do what I do.
0: Okay. So, how did you end up at uh, Summit? At Summit uh, Worship Center? I know we talked about that a little bit off the, off the mic, right? Sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, can you still hear me well? Yep. Okay, cool. Um, well, the pastor is Eric Moore, and he and I actually shout met out. in California. Yep. At, at, <laughs> pastor Eric Moore. We met in California. We went to school together and the six months that we were in a very, uh, man, it was crazy. It was a very intense Bible school. Um, Pretty much right off the bat, we became good friends. And uh, throughout the week, we did class, but on the weekends when we had time to chill and hang out, we were not all the time, but most of the time, we were hanging out with each other It developed a really good friendship. So over the last 19 years, we've stayed in great, great connection. Uh, We've served in each other's weddings we stay in touch with each other's families and there was just a time where he they came to a place that they needed somebody to come on staff to oversee their children and youth department and uh it's a long story so i have to give you the short version but it's like incredible
0: yeah
1: flip notes um <laughs> we were living in houston texas man and we were we were comfortable where we were because we thought we would be in houston forever and we came to a crossroad in our life that we got too comfortable And Mm -hmm. we needed to change big time because this is another topic for another day. But we kind of stepped out of church ministry. Uh, You you can do ministry anywhere, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Anything you do is ministry. But church ministry is something we stepped out of because of certain reasons. And there was a lot of hurt from that. Mm -hmm. But we knew that we would be back in church ministry again. So when he called me and said, here's what we we want you to do, I considered it. And we prayed about it. And that's how we ended up moving to Austin, Texas. And the God story in the middle of all that, it's a really long story. We got that. But, <laughs> but the moment that we came, that we moved to Houston, Jay, let me tell you yeah. something, everything that we've walked through in life, the fear, the hurt, um, the doubts, all those things, the moment, actually the moment we visited the church here in summit, man, the moment we walked in those doors, it was the love of God through people in that church, man, that felt like we're home. Mm
2: -hmm. It was,
1: it was beautiful. Um, there was such a beautiful mixture of multicultural people and man, they just loved me and my family and they didn't even know us. Mm -hmm. And we've experienced that in many, many years past. But when we felt that we knew that this was the place that we needed to be. So that's how we ended up coming to summit, came on staff. And it's been a beautiful picture for the last two years of serving, uh, there at summit with our young people.
0: Yeah, when I when I first got there as well, uh, I think Brotherhood kind of sold it for me when I first got there because I had never seen such a, a dynamic like mm-hmm. group of men. Like it was amazing, like just so, the transparency of it all. You do know, I'm big on being transparent, and open, and stuff, and it was just it was just groundbreaking, really. And I um, so quick question on that too, because I'm I'm always asking questions for the people listening as well. When you go, because Cause I I did like a whole segment as far as going to church, 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 things like that. When you go to a church, I tell people try it out. You know, give you know if you don't like you don't like the music, go somewhere else. Like it's a church in every corner type stuff, right? So how did you and your wife really like? Okay, this is it. Like aside from like Eric, because like you talking about uproot from Houston to Austin, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? I guess because some people might not be like spiritually in tune. So like. Because I think a big thing me and my friend was, friends were talking about a couple of days ago was like separating my voice from what I think. I feel like, oh, this is a good thing versus God's voice because they could be saying mm-hmm. something completely different.
1: So what does that look like as far as that? Well, I mean, I just, I'll give you my experience. Um, <clears throat> so there was a good eight year period, Jay, where my wife and I, when we lived in Houston, yeah. you know, we visited multiple churches. And in Houston, Texas, there's some of the greatest churches around. There's some big churches, there's some medium-sized churches, and there's great churches. But we never really felt like it was home. We, we decided to stay at some places and stay there for a while, get involved. Mm-hmm. So for us, when we walked into Summit, all I can say is this. You don't ever want to compare. If you came from a really good church, you never want to compare where you came from to the church you're trying to go to. Because if you compare, comparison will, will hurt you. You, you can't compare that pastor to the other pastor or what this person did compared to what that person did. Okay, It's got to be a God thing. Because if you're going there for man, you will always leave. You will always be offended. Something's going to happen. But if you're there because God truly is in it and you know it, mm-hmm. you and I both know this. Whenever God is in it and you feel something, it's a God thing. You can't shake that.
0: So what about the worship that. music, though? Because I get the word piece. But like I don't like the particular set of songs, and I get I give people like two or three weeks, and I we were visiting churches as well. I give you two or three weeks, okay? Let me see what the what's in the uh, queue, right? And I test it out because we went uh, one of the churches in Tennessee when we were at great word, like amazing Mm -hmm. word. But we could we would find ourselves like just okay being late on purpose just to make it in time for the sermon, yeah. Because we just couldn't get with the music. We have our own playlist on the way there, and what time is just right, so. Is there any human
1: well application there, to that? Yes, there is, there is, because I think we're all made to to worship God, right? Yeah. So there, there's a part of you, the the anatomy that how God built you, you know your taste, you know what you like, and there's nothing wrong with that. So when you walk into a church, here's the deal about summit too. When we heard the worship for the first time, mm-hmm. There's a lot of dedication and a lot of incredible excellence that goes into that. We knew that because you can sense it on stage, right? It wasn't yeah. a show. It was anointed They had incredible musicians, incredible people that could sing. So whenever they played, man, that God, it was God's presence in there. And we mm. missed that for years. We couldn't find that. And, uh, there's been good ones, but man, this surpassed it and this drew us. Yeah right into what we've been craving for so long. So that was another aspect of some of why we loved it so much. Then our kids, cause we've been in ministry pretty much for mo- the majority of my life. Yeah. My kids went to kids church. And again, we weren't on staff. This is just as visiting my kids came back and thri- and loved, absolutely loved what they, what they experienced. Yeah, um, And they actually repeated back what they learned. That's when you know if a kid is paying attention. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> yes. yes. So we knew yeah. those, those are like the bonuses. Those are all the bonuses. Seal the now. deal. Yeah. Seal the deal. When we walked into the doors of the church, and I think people will experience this when you go to a church. Mm-hmm. You, you will know pretty much right off the bat when you walk in the atmosphere and the people and the vibe. Okay. If this is where you're supposed to be. Okay. Bottom line. I feel that. Okay. Everything, everything else is just like cake and ice cream.
0: <laughs> so, it, in, in a bit of a transitional question, um, I wanted to touch on it too because I don't think this is a coincidence. I was thinking about this last night. Um, I think we're supposed to do this in like March, right? Sometime yeah. in March. I mean, maybe weeks before all this stuff hit. So, as everybody knows, uh, COVID 19 hit. You know, we're dealing through that. I wanted to do this in person. You live down the street, well, you know, in the same city. <laughs> and, but we having to do things through Zoom. And so, how, how have you adapted through that? Uh, so, as, as far as the COVID thing. And then in the past episodes as well, we've talked about how people have dealt with like an amount of anxiety, uh, fear, panic, right? Yeah. Um, and hitting everybody a little bit different. So, how, how did yeah. you, how did you, how are you making a transition?
1: Well, Jay, I mean, first of all, everything got turned to this Zoom and and Facebook and virtual stuff. I mean, everything that I do has turned to that. Everything we do with our youth messages, kids messages, we've started doing filming, producing videos. And Mm -hmm. so it it was a big challenge at first um, because we have not done that. So there was definitely a big challenge when we had this shift. Yeah. But I welcome those challenges because you learn something new. And this is, I mean, our world is virtual social media so learning this has been a plus for us now the anxiety the fear um worrying and just what's going to happen these are all natural emotions that people experience so one of the things i've learned is you really have to give a massive amount of grace to people where they are Mm -hmm. because some people will experience it on different levels right um some people are ready to get back into this world and let's just get after it and you do what you got to do, right? Some people are still extreme on this side that they don't want to get out. They don't want to be around people. They're not ready to get back into the full public yet. And I get that. So everybody is on different levels with anxiety, fear, and what should we do? What should we not do? Mm -hmm. I know one of the things that we have to always come back to is living by faith and not by fear. Easier said than done. Because still, when it comes to your faith walk, people are on different levels. Mm-hmm. I can't expect people to believe or be where I'm at whenever it comes to the pandemic. So
0: you were good with it.
1: Uh, in the first two weeks, we took extreme caution, man. We didn't yeah. know what, I don't think anybody knew. So we took extreme caution because we wanted to make sure let's follow the guidelines. We are still taking some, some measurements of safety. Yeah. But um, if we go somewhere and that's expected for us to do that, we're going to abide by that to the most part because we want to respect other people's boundaries. Mm-hmm. But for us, we're very outside nature people, so we're always outside. We go on hikes, we go on trails. Uh, the swimming pool where we live is open, so I take my kids swimming. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I believe if you're outside, if you're in nature, you're getting fresh, fresh sun, get staying active, and still being proactive and keeping your health up, which is your immune system. And you, you know what we do with it, the essential oils. We do yeah, all that Yeah.
0: we get into that. Yeah. So, so we
1: <laughs> boost ourselves in our immune system. And to me, if you study and research this, when you are full of anxiety, full of fear, full of worry, it, bring, it suppresses your immune system. Mm. So it's important. Number one, I might be jumping to some of your notes. No, that's fine. That's good. It, it's, it's so important. The number one thing is this. I cannot, I cannot express this enough. We hear it all the time and it sounds a little bit cliche, but it's true. You have to stay connected to Jesus no matter what. If you are on your computer, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Instagram or watching the news, you are going to walk away negative. You're going to mm-hmm. walk away fearful. You're going to walk away feeling like junk. You got to stay connected to the source, which is Jesus, man. If you don't stay connected to that worship and to that word and get filled with that, it, everything else is gonna bring you down. There's times I'm t- I felt the weight. I didn't know what was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. We all kind of felt maybe at one point in time or another, like what's gonna happen in this world? What's gonna to happen to our job? What's gonna to happen to my kids? Yeah. What if I What if I do get this? And I remember one night, Jay, I woke up and I could not sleep. Four o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. went to my living room and I just opened up the Word. And I'd, oftentimes when I feel this way, I just have to stop what I'm doing Get in the word, put on some worship music, and just let Jesus come. And don't even move. I can't move until I know mm-hmm. Jesus has met me. And every time that happens, I leave completely different. And I think in life, it's so hard to live this life when you don't have a strong foundation, faith in Jesus Christ. It yeah. is difficult.
0: And for me, it's um I was I was surprised because when it first happened, it's a flatman. Like, anyway, when it first happened for me, like, I was happy to be out of work. I was working, but like, it was, a, it was a break. And, um, I had to, I had to like look myself in the mirror a little bit because everything was slowing down. Right. Yeah. And even now, like where we're at right now, um, it's like, it was getting better, but now people acting crazy again and going out yeah. and not caring about it. And now it's like hiking back up. Right. Yeah. And so, and then people, everybody, my my friends, I see people on Facebook and stuff like you know, 2020. You got Kobe, you got COVID, you all this bad stuff happening, and this um, it, it, I think i have seeing a flux, an influx of emotions that I've never seen from different people. Yeah, and how they're like you said, they're coping with it. And so I do think that's very essential. It's just, uh, and I found myself too doing the same thing, just trying to just, okay, if I gave, this for example, an hour a day to God, I'm gonna try to do two, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? Man. Another thing too, that I noticed that you were doing, which is very important, that's why I wore my shirt today, my Malcolm Huey, uh, what <laughs> is it? Tupac, right? Yeah, shirt. It's, it's a balance. So you got Malcolm X, you got Huey P. Newton, mm-hmm. you know, founder, uh, co-founder of the Black Panther Party, yeah. You got um, well, Tupac and um, Martin Luther King Jr. So I say it's always a balance—not too much Malcolm, right? Not too, but not too <laughs> much Martin either, right? Um, so you took a stance, uh, which was—I think I had to mention. This is why I think it's great that we did it now. You took a particular stance that you know I, we wanted in a black community for our white brothers and sisters to to take. Yeah. Because um, I know y'all, if y'all keeping up with the podcast, and I've done, I did one on on my Aubrey, another one of me and Marcel, you know, just kind of going in, Mm -hmm. you know, letting those raw emotions out, which I think was necessary because a lot of people don't know how to, you know, uh, cope really. Yeah. And then we end up having to go, you know, and then most people don't like the doctor, no way. So, you know, I mean, that's a whole therapy piece that we talked about last week as well. It's coming out soon, but. Um, you, you, you came out and you made videos and, you know, but, and I know we talked about as well, you know, e- even from the people in your circle, they didn't quite agree with it. So what, what did like, you know, the riots and like this, you know, how I mean, how did that feel for you initially I went through all this craziness too? I'm not sure how to ask that question, but like, cause you came yeah. from a very like carnal, like, you know, sincere place.
1: Yeah. Well, I tell you what um when I, I I saw the video when I saw the video of Armad,
2: yeah,
1: uh, this is before george floyd obviously I'll, I'll be honest with you that video tore me up. Mm. It looked like to me, no matter what Armad was doing because I know people want to speak against all the negative junk out there here's a, a young black man in the streets. And I literally saw people and the white people in the back of a truck yeah. with shotguns. Okay. It looked like they were hunting a man down. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No matter how good, no matter what the situation was, here's a young black man running in the streets and the confrontation was, it looked like it, it, it tore me up and it happened so fast mm. that in the in the middle of this uh, spout with with Ahmad, and it came down to shooting him and killing him, messed me up, and my my everything inside of me just was was, I it it was complete racial. It was mm-hmm. it was it was racism. It was like there was intentional, yeah. um, hurt that was that was wanting to take place in that situation. So then you fast forward to George Floyd and then also the lady in the park yeah. who confronts the man yeah. and uh my emotions went high and I'll explain i have a lot of friends who are people of color mm-hmm. okay and my wife and i my wife is pure hispanic i mean she's about as dark as they come
2: yeah so
1: when you look at us we we're an interracial couple mm-hmm. okay so when it comes to people of different color the way that i view them And when we say that we have friends and family, my wife and I, we really do mean that, that they're not an acquaintance. Okay, We do life with people who don't look like with us intentionally. So even though I knew this, it didn't hit home with me because I believe that I was just ignorant to a point. It didn't hit home with me truly like 100% what people go through of our black friends and family mm-hmm. and what they have to go through on a daily basis
2: mm-hmm.
1: when it comes to racism, when it comes to uh, injustice, when it comes to being judged, when it comes to stereotypes. So all of these things brought all these emotions in me, man. And it tore me up. And I felt like as a white person that it, it finally hit me of what, what, of what white privilege is, mm-hmm. white supremacy and white fragility, all these things of what it really met as a white person, yeah. even though that's not how I want to act, and I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, advocate that, because of the nature of who I am and where I come from. Sometimes I insert myself, and I'm just being honest with you. This is contextual.: yeah. no right? There you go. So, there's times where I might insert myself in a situation when it comes to my black friends or black family, because what they go through, I'm like, oh, you know what? Why? I remember I went through that too one time before because I'm married to a Hispanic woman. Yeah. Every time I would do that, that means I'm inserting myself in an emotional pain, in a place of hurt that someone's going through. Mm. And even if I go inside of a store, if I go to a gas station, somewhere's in public, I never have to worry about who's going to look at me and judge me wrong. Yeah, It never dawned on me like 100% Jay until all this happened and that people like yourself and other people who are people of color, black people of how they get judged on a daily basis because of their skin color.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'll be honest with you. Uh, three, four months ago, I was stopped by that police officer. My inspection sticker was out. Um, it, it just, it had just turned over. It was just like by one month. Okay. Yeah. Then, a year prior to that, where we lived before um, I had st- got stopped by a police officer cause I was speeding 10 miles uh, over. So I did not realize that once you take care of a ticket like that, you got to go to the courthouse. And yet ha- there are several things you got to do. Mm-hmm. There was something that I did not do. And there was a warrant out for me because oh, that ticket, that yeah. ticket had to be taken care of. Now when we moved, they didn't have my right address. So whenever they stopped me, they said, do you know that you have uh, a warrant out because you have a ticket from last year that should have been taken care of. You're supposed to go in to take care of it. And you did not. Da, 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 da. Uh-huh. I was like, I-, I took care of that ticket. He says, no, you didn't. So they said you are detained and you're going to have to drive to the police station. We'll follow you there to take care of the ticket. Bro, I- my blood was rushing through me. Yeah. They searched me. They searched my truck but it was done very lightly if you follow Mm -hmm.
2: me
1: i remember in that instance immediately that if i would have had any one of our youth with us from our church if it was a black person with me or if i was a black person myself that would have not been the case i I very much think that because of the skin color that i have they treated me incredibly different compared to if it was you or it was a black man or another person of color yeah does it make sense?
0: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and yeah. I
1: told I told our pastors that I think that it would have been um, a different story if it would have been any one of them compared to me.
0: I remember um, I was at Fort Campbell, and it was like I was just hungry. I wanted to go to Arby's. People I would talk about me like in Arby's. I love Arby's. Anyway, I remember driving. I, I had like some dress like this, sweatpants, T-shirt, whatever. And um, it's two instances, actually. Um, one time I got pulled over. Yeah, first thing, of RB hey, let them know. It helps because I'm in the military, but still, right? You, you know, that's the only thing I guess I would have. Because um, I remember when I used to drive, and I was in Alabama. I just had to drive four hours to go to my drill when I was in the National Guard, and I went to some sketchy cities. So I would keep my whole uniform on just in case I got pulled over. Yeah, every time because I, I mean, hey, you wow. gonna kill me? You gonna kill me as a soldier? You know, that's gonna be wow. way. That's how I would, I would think. But, so I was coming, and I remember, like, because it was, it was kind of like eleven, twelve o'clock at night. I said, I ain't been drinking nothing. I'm good. I was, like, 10 and 2. I was doing a speed limit, everything. And it felt, I, it felt good for me to, like, hey, I ain't, I ain't did nothing. <laughs> you know? So he pulled yeah. me over, and um, it, was a, it was a white cop. And, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, like, 10 and 2. Got my stuff. Like, hey, can I get me? I, the whole thing they tell you to do. And it was just so professional. Dude was really cool. Really cool. And it surprised me. And I was and, but I told him, I was like, hey, man, appreciate you letting me go. Cause he was, he, they were out looking for like drugs. You know, every now and then you get pulled over, they just checking for different cars, whatever. Now, granted, I, d- I did kind of fit the stereotype. I had some 20s, dark yeah. 10, double sided. So <laughs> I get it, you know. <laughs> I did. Um, but I, I felt good because I was like, I ain't got nothing wrong right now, yeah. you know. Uh, but I said, I told yeah. him, I said, I appreciate you for just being professional. And it like caught him. Yeah. And I just feel like I had to tell him. I said, because as many times as I felt, all the time I got pulled over, you could just kind of tell it was weird. He was like real cool um, about it. But it's, I don't know. I just, I just feel like I needed to tell him that because I, I try not to be that person that's just like so angry. Like, like he's, we talked about before and me and my dad, especially, who was born in 1951, right? I would say that like he experienced a lot of that. But we were just talking uh, the other day. And he was just like, you know, you got to look at people in love. Right, yeah. you got to like you know give them that common denominator. But I'm I'm coming back, right? I'm like, why well, I can't I? Don't know because if, if if the statistic is one or two, whatever it is, uh, cops are dirty, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not uh, taking those eyes on the odds. Uh, I'm gonna get an eight out of ten cop. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta act accordingly. So yeah. I mean, I, I do think that there is a uh, as a uh, generation. Well, yeah, a generational gap on how people think. Yeah, uh, as well, like they're they're. Uh, Experiences and things that they've had, and sure. I, I do think that this is very important. Which is another reason I want to have you on as well. That we had these conversations so people could hear it. I don't think it's like being a dead horse either, because you know we, I want to keep this in the in the conversation. I want to sure. do my part, and I know we talked about as well um, influencing your sphere or your lane of people, because a lot of people think that they can't or they don't have a, a means to make a change. Yeah, that's, that's why I think it's the, the gap for me, if I, uh, for people. That I think about that, well, all this stuff happening, you know, yeah, we sharing stuff on Facebook and it's all good, but everybody want to make a change, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I don't think I could ever think about, obviously, you know, love on folks, no matter who they are. But it's to have these conversations because, you know, you teaching your kids, that is going to affect my kids someday. Absolutely. You know, and people don't think about it like that. So all it just take all it takes is just having that conversation. So I, you know, I commend you. Appreciate that.
1: Well, man, thank you for saying that, Jay. Uh, you know, the reason why I brought up that story about me getting stopped by a police officer, uh, again, there's a lot of great cops. There's a yeah. lot of great cops. I and there, it, it was three officers. It ended up being one, then two. then three. Yeah,
0: they're supposed to come behind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, but because of it was a hundred fifty dollar ticket that I needed to pay, they said. We're going to let you know, sir, that you are detained right now, but we're going to let you drive five blocks away to the, to, the, uh, to the courthouse or the police station to pay your mm. ticket. Think about this. They said, you are detained, but we're going to let you drive. Do you think they would let somebody of color do that? No. 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 <laughs> if, you're, if you're detained, if they, if they really did detain me, they should have done what?
0: They should have they uh, called a tow truck. They would have put you in the back. You they would we'll take
1: care of your truck and we yep. get, get in the back of my car and we bring you down to the station.
0: Yep. So and if they didn't now, handcuff you in it.
1: Yeah, so I, I've yeah. got, I'll be honest with you. I was scared to death. I was scared to death. I was like, Oh Jesus, this ain't good for me.
2: <laughs>
1: anyway, but it, it happened fast. Went down there, paid it, got taken care of. So Jay, when all this stuff came out with all the, the man, George, George Floyd, because of him, and it went so public fast, and we saw the raw emotions of so many people—the hurt and the pain they've been experiencing for hundreds of years. It really did do something to me and my wife, to where I felt like I needed to go onto my social my small platform. little social media pra- yeah, yeah, and and say something. And I know that it's one thing to say something; and it's one thing to do something. So the number one thing that I did was repent, was mm. apologize. Because of my 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 own people and my race for what so
0: what is people. what is that uh what brought that on? I, I get it I get it yeah. right, but right. most people will say because I've heard this, I mean I've deleted so many friends, I mean yeah. at least like forty from my like my last unit, mostly military, but they said I didn't do anything I didn't racially profile you da 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 so why yeah. do I have to apologize
1: like so for me, man, I felt strong about this because i I began to dive in and dive into some history i once said let me go for myself and really find out even though i've studied it in school let me make sure i know what what i what history says and so when you think about the word race Mm -hmm. the word race never came to the picture until the white man said we want a distinction between this race and this race which was between the black race and the white race
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so they came up with this word called race that we are a white race and this is a black race and we're going to You're different, and we're going to treat you different.
2: Mm -hmm. The
1: word white never came into the picture either until the white man said, We are people that are white. It wasn't English anymore. It wasn't that you were um, uh, Irish or was it any ethnicity was no longer just white. Yeah. And even if you were Indian or even some Hispanics at one time, they included them into the white phrase many years ago and said, it was a very clear distinction of white versus black. Now, of course, over the years, people like, no, 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 I'm not white, I'm Indian or I'm yeah. Hispanic or I'm this, Asian. So um, the ethnicity I think is so beautiful, the way God made different ethnicities, and it's more about the, the black and the white issue. So I began to realize, man, my people are the ones who messed this up. They were so proud that it was the wrong kind of pride, that they really thought something was wrong with people who were dark skinned and they made it known man to where they called them names they treated them different they did things with us in slavery killed people bought people i mean just you you know the history Mm -hmm. and i i felt such a huge responsibility just on behalf of my people to repent and to apologize and that for anything that i may have been ignorant in which I know that there's points in my life that I have been because I, me living my white life, yeah. um, not walking in your shoes, Jay, it's ho- I can say, I have empathy for you, but I really don't know what it's like unless I was a man with a darker skin tone. Yeah, I only know by what you tell me or what my friends tell me. And I think all of it hit me at once yeah. and my heart broke. My heart broke. And I just begin to speak about truth. I, I even spoke about white privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, by supporting my friends of color, I begin to post things, Black Lives Matter. Um, you said you sentiment- got some kickback from that though, right? I did. So the sentiment behind Black Lives period is why I posted the things that I did. And they were strong, but to me, they were biblical and they were coming from a place of honesty. And every time I'd pl- post, like, I'll give you one example.
2: Mm-hmm. If
1: I said anything related to Black Lives Matter, people got their feathers ruffled big time. <laughs> Mostly yeah. white people. Yeah, And they were very close and they were family members. Because immediately they would insert and put, oh, no, 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 no. All lives matter. That's the way Jesus, all lives matter. It's not mm-hmm. just black lives. Mm-hmm. So their ignorance kicked in. And their white fragility kicked in. Yeah, they're they're it, it, if they're not racist, if they say they're that racist, well, something kicked in to make them feel like they had to throw in all lives matter. And I got pushback. Don't post this. Don't do this. You know, don't support Black lives matter. The movement. They support things that is not Christian. Da da da. da. I mean, and they were just coming after me. Mm. Even private messaging me saying that I have black friends who are paying me to do this wow uh i've had people text private message me and say um you're only doing this because you go to a black church um you know dwight it's easy for you to do this because you have black friends i'm like no it's not easy for me i've worked hard for my friendships yeah
0: i don't, I don't aside talk about from it. race yeah
1: i we live intentionally with people who are not the same color that's because we, that's who we are mm-hmm. so i mean they just came after me man and there was one or two times where man i was like i'm done Then the other times I just let it go off my shoulder. And I said, you know, this is the peep. This is why God, this is why we have to continue to speak about it. It's not going to go away. I had people text me and say, man, I can't wait for all this stuff to go away because, you know, you're going to get off your high horse. And, you know, we just want everything to go back to normal. And I said, this is not normal. Nothing about this
0: situation is normal.
1: No, at all. Yeah. So they think, let's just let it go away so we can go back to our white privilege self where we're going to have to deal with this and i said this is the this is the issue it's not going away this is if you say that you love black people and that you are friends with black people said do you have in your phone right now a black person's phone number mm-hmm. do you have, do you call that person and listen some of them said no i said well you don't have any black friends
0: <laughs> well why you is don't. it a why is it a pass you know why is it one of the first things white people say i got a black friend like like, like this gives you like a
1: a pass <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: that is crazy i mean i just so, think uh, so, well, go ahead, those, right?
1: so man listen man <laughs> go ahead because <laughs> a lot of people have a token black friend right which is usually an acquaintance at work
0: yeah. Or an acquaintance like a acquaintance, partner, or whatever else. Yeah. It, it's just
1: somebody <laughs> that they can just say and tag and say, "Oh, I got a black. I, I know I have black people. I have black people. No, you don't. Mm. You don't even have one contact number in your phone that is a black family or a black person that you can call. When's the last? And here's my, my next question for white people. When is the last time that you actually called somebody who is black and had a conversation with them? Yeah. Even during this whole racism stuff, none of them, zero. My own personal blood and family brothers. I said, when's the last time that you called someone? They, they haven't. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's the problem. I said, by you staying back and saying nothing and thinking it's just going to blow over, it's not going to solve anything. It's going to be here. It's going to stay here until we do something about it. Because let me tell you something. These people that are our black friends, yeah, they'll talk about it. Just ask them. They'll be yeah. more than glad to talk to you about it.
0: But it's not, it's not the same coming from us, but it is from you. That's the, that's the twist. I think people are getting is like, when you're having a conversation, okay, now we're on neutral quote unquote playing field. I guess they're able to receive it better, but it seems like you having a hard Uh,
1: hard time too. So for me, cause we, cause we have, if you, if you, my wife and I, you, you go through our phone, you go through our Facebook or Instagram. We have so many friends who are white, Hispanic and a ton of black people. Yeah. It's a beautiful picture. So here's the deal. We easily could pick up the phone and call people and say, hey, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. What can I do to help you? And for the most part, Jay, for the most part, for all the part, it's it's almost 100% of us listening. And that's giving people like yourself the right to say whatever you want to say, however you want to say it. And if you get so mad that you want to curse a little bit cause you're so ticked off, yeah, then it's okay. Cause you want to express yourself. And it's up to us to truly listen mm-hmm. to the emotion of your heart of where you have been, where you have traveled, what you've experienced, and how can we just simply learn? And that's what I've been doing, Jay. I've been learning history. I've been learning what's taking place. Uh, I've been doing research and finding out how can I be more of a support because I can post all day long on my Facebook Mm -hmm. and that's like this much of a change, I guess, but it's my actions that will speak louder than my words. So if I, and I've had 40 different conversations, 40, four, zero, 40 phone calls to people or zoom links where we've spoken about this and I've opened the floor and just said, let me hear from you. And, man, it got emotional. It got raw. And there was lots of tears. And I, I allowed my, myself to go there because I needed to feel what they feel. Yeah. Because I believe that's what Jesus did when he walked. He met people right where they are, and he listened. And he spoke very little. Isn't that biblical?
0: <laughs> he was a savage. I tell people that all the time. He was dope. He, <laughs> he didn't even have to say much. Oh.
1: <laughs> I think there's a... Um... And then whenever Jesus did speak, whenever Jesus did speak, you know what he said? What? Be healed, you're forgiven. Yeah, okay, I'm good. Yeah, it felt like he
0: was, well, he was, you know, a lot of people understand like Jesus was on a mission. So it's kind of like knowing you're gonna die in like 30, 33 years, right? People don't understand the human aspect of it. Imagine, you're like racing, you know, talk about a sense of urgency. Like you're like, okay, I get it. You wanna be healed, boom, That's, you know, like not that it was that quick, but like when you have a mission, you know, like the day, yeah, <laughs> you know, as, as cause people get like human side of it as well. Like, you, you, like, hey, I ain't got time for none of this. You even think about him uh going to get the disciples. It was so quick. It wasn't like a no long thing. Hey, pick up your nets. Let's go. I showed that's you, you know, you know, it was quick. And so that's that's the that's what I thought about as well um, the sense of urgency that we need to have in, in these times. And it's been heightened, of course. And like like they were saying, like, well, let's let it blow over like everything else. No right I think I feel a, a shift at least from, from where I'm standing. I feel a, a shift that you know especially like in Juneteenth was like right on time it, it feels like, it's like it was like right on time to keep it going you know we got all these uh, great acts that are happening you know like laws are being changes and certain things like we're seeing it like on a surface level like yeah we're making this a holiday or you know people are painting the streets which is awesome right but obviously yeah. we're waiting for more <laughs> you know, yeah. but uh us having these conversations will change that. And as far as for me, um, I know I had to go through like my own little process I talked about before, but I think there's like a pivot that, you know, white people need to have and black people need to have. Because on, on my end, which could be like an unpopular opinion, whatever, is that we need to allow y'all to get it. Yeah. You know, because like you said, it was a lot for you in that moment. Yeah. And so like I'm like, well, we've been, like, people will say, I've been experiencing this my whole life. You just not catching up. I, I you know, I get that, but that's coming from like a, a bad place. Yeah. And so where I'm at is like, okay, like you said, having an empathy, being patient, and but only giving conversation to the people that I know that don't have malicious intent, you know, right. because some people like, they ain't there to listen. They just gotta argue. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna put you in your box over here. And let me know you're ready to talk. That's exactly right. Um, but what I've been trying to do, especially in my sphere, is to just, okay, be patient. All right. They don't know. This is all new. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's still frustrating, for sure. But um, that's why I think, you know, having that good faith walk, like you always talk about, is so important because – and this is why, even if you – I always tell people, even if you don't believe in anything, it's still – these are still good nuggets to have. Be patient with the people, with everybody. You know? And then my dad, like, when we were talking, too, like – he was like, I don't want you to just be so pro black. Like, I get that, but like, he, 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 I didn't say it like that from what I thought, but he, it sounded to him like, well, I just love black people, nobody else. Or, you know, it was just like, yes. you still got to love everybody. Like, so maybe I, so I had to check myself then, like, okay, am I coming off like me and, you know, Dwight ain't cool? Or am I coming off like I'm just like, at these like undertones? Like, is yeah, it's such that I'm dealing with, but I don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: No, Jay, I think what, it's a very good point. Here's the deal. Because of the nature of what's happened within these last couple of months yeah. with people who are literally being murdered, uh, black people. So when you think about the hurt and the pain of currently what people are going through within the black culture, uh, it's what we, you and I have seen. Um, you know, Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one, right? Yeah. So there's the one group right now, there's the one culture of people that is deeply hurting and deeply grieving that have been in this fight for so long, but there's a deep sense of grief and there's a deep deep sense of pain. Mm -hmm. And so we raise the bar on all levels of Black Lives Matters. You know, I love black people, support black lives, all those things. And it doesn't negate the fact that you and other people truly love everybody because I know that you do. All lives do matter, right? Mm -hmm. Every person of color matters. (laughs) Right now. It is elevated that our black culture and our black people need attention, need some love. They need support and we need the bridge to how we're going to solve some of these issues and yeah. let it, we need, we need to let it just bake a little while. We don't need to like just microwave it and toss it out. We need to let yeah, it marinate, like, let right. it bake a little bit. Because long, for
0: a couple of years, I, you know, decades.
1: <laughs> so that true yeah. change can take place. Because if you look at the culture and the ethnicity of our African-American friends and family, there's so much of a level that's – when you raise the bar of racism and injustice, man, it's, it's way up here compared to other cultures and ethnicity.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: time for change, man. It's time. And it, it starts in your home if you are a – I don't care what color you are. It starts in your home yeah. with a true discussion and it's got to be it's got to be biblical, but it's also got to be just some raw perspective. And like with my kids, they know what's going on because we talk about it. And so, what does they, that
0: look like? What's the age range?
1: I got all the way from nine years old all the way to a soon to be fifteen year old. Okay, I got four kids: two girls, two boys. So, me
0: and Brandon were just talking about that. It's like you know, we feel like, especially with like the senior high boys, that yeah. we owe it to them you know, not to get like in the deep depths of it, but we owe it to them to have those real conversations. So how does that look from a parental perspective?
1: So I, I'll, I'll just give you the example with my kids. Okay. Yeah. So we talk about it with our kids. They, number one, here's the deal. They learn it in school, what black history is, right? It's amazing. <clears throat> barely, I, barely, but here's the deal. <laughs> we, I'm going to I could go on forever about this. So go ahead. my youngest, my youngest, Emmanuel, he's nine years old. Okay. We passed by some pro- protesters right down the street by HEV. And there was probably about 30 or 40, like it, it was, I don't know if there's any black people. It looked like it was all white people, but they're, hold- yeah. but they're holding up signs, Black yeah. Lives Matter. It just, it was, it was a beautiful picture, right? So we passed by and my boy like stares him down. And we pulled in right past HEB to a place to get some barbecue. And I, and I just had my camera and I said, Emmanuel, can you tell me what you saw? And he said, yeah, those people were holding black lives matter signs." And I said, well, what does that mean to you?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. This is his words from a nine year old. He said, well, black lives matter. You know, uh, I love them and they love me and we just love these people because Jesus loves them. Mm -hmm. And then he pauses and he says, Uh, he goes, I don't want to be mean to them because people are being mean to them right now. And he goes, I'm not mean to them. So then he said, dad, did you know that they, they were, everything was taken away from them and they had no clothes. And I Mm. laughed because I thought he was talking about Adam and Eve, but I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, oh, so you didn't know that. So they had everything taken away from them and they came on the boat and they, and they didn't have any clothes and they were being mistreated. He was talking about slaves yeah he says daddy i learned that in school so he learned something about black people being mistreated in slavery how horrible it was and how we need to change it and made my heart just begin to open up and i said i was proud of him because he he knew it like there's something wrong with this picture that they were being mistreated a long time ago and now they're still being mistreated today yeah and our kids talk about it because they can't stand it. They say our friends are being mistreated. Our friends are experiencing injustice. Our friends are experiencing hatred right now. Mm. and my daughters they broke, they cried because they because we have deep we have close, close friends who were yeah. black, and they just couldn't even imagine them going through life and being judged and being called names like the harsh names that I won't mention on your talk. And they just could not believe that people are still experiencing that and they broke. Mm
2: -hmm. So when
1: we talk about it, we say, what can you do? And they said, we're just going to choose to continue to have friends who don't look like us and love them no matter what, and see them the way that God sees them.
0: So it's purposely, I I got, I don't know. So how does it, how does that look? Because, okay. You purposely trying to have a black friend, not trying to like make it like a blanket statement, but like, Um, no, I mean of diversity. Right. So, like, that, I feel like that's important. I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know.
1: Well, I, mean, I know you should want
0: to be diverse, I guess, in your portfolio right. of friends, right? Right. But what's the intent behind it? Because you don't want to just do it just to check a box. That's what I think people are mad about. I'm not saying yeah. that's what they're doing. I'm just saying. From, from over here, it looks like when people say, well, I got a, a black friend. Yeah. whatever. It's like, okay, check that box. I'm good. Blah, blah, blah. But- I don't feel like you should have to explain that though. That's my you, thing. It should no, show.
1: You shouldn't. It, it should show. And Jay, this goes back to the way my wife was brought up and the way that I was brought up. So let me go back to 16 years of age. Whenever I gave my life to Jesus. Okay. My heart began to grow so strongly for people in general yeah. and, and just for young people. So 16, 17, 18, I graduate, I'm out of school and I'm a youth pastor now at my church. Um, man, my heart was just hungry to reach people of all kinds, no matter what kind of background they were from. Mm -hmm. Where I came from in Louisiana, very small town, uh, like probably some other small towns, there was a clear dividing line in our small town, a (laughs) railroad track, a railroad track divided the whites live on this side and the blacks live on that side. And I remember even as a young boy, like this is wrong. Why can't we all live together? And we're always told, don't go on the other side of the track. Wow. So whenever I gave my heart to Jesus, I intentionally went on the other side of the track okay. and began to play basketball with, with those guys. Um, I, I led one guy to the Lord. His name is Nigel Thomas in, yeah. in his park. Okay. And to this day, we're still friends and he invited me to go to stay at his house. I said, oh wait, hold up. You're inviting me to go to your house? You
0: got invited to the cookout. I (laughs) I got invited to the cookout. That's a good name for the podcast. (laughs) So
1: I knew for me as a a white man to just broaden my own horizon of reaching people. It wasn't a check mark. I had to get uncomfortable. I had to be willing to befriend someone and go into their field, go to their house, yeah, go to their, does it make sense? Yeah, 100%. And so when I did that for the first time and I stayed at his house, um, it, it was not the kind of environment that I was used to, but let me tell you something. I thank God for it because they made me do things and say things like it just, it just broad. It just makes me smile now because he and I are so friends. We We laugh a lot. Yeah. If that never would have happened, if I wasn't willing to do that, he and I would not remain friends today.
2: That's we good. call
1: each other all the time and reminisce how I stepped into his world and I wasn't afraid. And I went to his house that one night and it was actually several times, stayed the night. Yeah. All those guys, man, they would walk around with their shirts off. Like, hey man, if you're gonna walk, stay in our house, you gotta walk around with your shirt off. Like, you don't want this white boy to take off his shirt. <laughs> but I did it. And yeah. I stuck out like a sore thumb but let me tell you something, Jay. but that's
0: okay. Yeah.
1: Man, these people loved me like I was their own. Like their own.
0: Yeah, that's good.
1: And their parents, I mean, I was the way that I was treated of what I'd heard from as a child from my grandparents was completely different. Mm. They were just people just like me, but the skin of their color was different. Yeah. Does it make sense?
0: It makes a hundred percent. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's good. So
1: (laughs) I always intentionally put myself in places that made me uncomfortable so I could learn people and learn culture. I moved to El Salvador, uh, Central America, intentionally with a missionary couple. And also on the weekends would stay in these, uh, uh, I would stay in these homes Mm -hmm. where these people, Salvadorans lived in a home as big as my porch, made of sticks, mud, and tin. And to learn them, to learn their language, and that for me that was the way to reach people. Yeah, does it make sense? Yeah, the thing for
0: me is people do that all the time. They'll go travel. I didn't even know you've been there. That's what's up. Um, But they'll go and experience all these cultures and say this is so important. They want their kids and everything to go visit these exchange, you know, uh, companies and everything. And but this is like you're not trying to experience what's right next to you. That that's why it's funny that you mentioned that. I think uh, Pastor David was talking about uh, maybe like the, one of the last Brotherhood meetings for the year. He said, I remember coming to Summit and uh, he's like, I even tried to change my, he said, I found myself even changing the way I dress a little bit. He said, or I, I was wearing, I think he said, wearing Converse, he said, now nah, I want to wear some Jordans. He's like, man, these shoes are fly, you know? But that, that's, that was so like deep for me because like you said, we have to experience, you know, all these different cultures. So why don't, don't stop it black you yeah. know yeah. but when they, they they think like i don't know because even for us too like um like real africans like we say like come like in africa like you know like my, my nigeria like Jamaican, like we're all african you know but they think they think it's a divide too between like okay you're an american black i've heard people say it versus like we're from like no i'm just saying like yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. at the end of the day like we i think we were kind of robbed of our culture. And it's not just like the stuff that you see on like National Geographic. It's like, there's a whole, it's like, like legit Wakanda, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. they are thriving. And so it's just like, okay, now they see people like learning more and not just American black history, but African black history. Yeah, that's, that's good. why it runs, and everybody's roots run deep, you know, in, in any capacity, but it's just about learning more of who you are. And so I think that's a part of it too, as far as the schools is they teach the bad parts you know, of black history. Or even if we just do American black history, but not the good parts of the you know, you got you got like the people that what's the dude in uh George Washington Carver, or he invented this and you know, it's 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 cool. I'm glad it's there. But it's just like getting down into the deep root of it. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Anyway, yeah. so I wanted to also talk about the essential oils. Let's lighten, let's let's lighten it up a little bit, right? <laughs> Um, uh, you see, ve- so th- I wanted to ask about this on the podcast because me and my wife, you know, we're, we're like allergic to everything <laughs> and we're, we really are like that's free and gentle. We have like one candle we can use. It's like ocean mist or something. And we're always super clean. Yeah. I mean, everything is we vacuum almost like every couple of days. Cause we got, like, we're allergic to dust. She like, and she learns like every, almost every food in the world. So like we have to like really stay on top of it. Sure. 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 So, so, you came on a live and I watched a bit of that as well, uh, as far as like the essential oils. So how did you kind of get into that and why are you so passionate about some essential oils and how did you get into it?
1: Yeah, well it started with my wife, just to be honest with you, she was always more finding that natural trail of, what can we do to better for better health of our family? So again, to make a very short story was, uh, so many times we trust when we walk into a store We just purchase things off of the shelf, trusting Mm -hmm. that whatever's inside of the store is going to be safe for you to either ingest or even just normal hair products or whatever, shampoo. So, So people just buy stuff off the shelf thinking, well, if they sell it, if it's FDA approved, then surely it's safe. Well, the more that we begin to dig into FDA, what's approved and what's healthy, there is a huge, a massive percentage of things that is sold in stores that has things that are very harmful for you, that's full of toxic chemicals and over time can, can harm you uh, internally, but also externally on your skin. Mm-hmm. So, my wife dug into it and she found essential oils, a company that sells the 100% pure oil. Because if you can just walk into HEB or another store, you're going to see these little oil bottles on, on a shelf yeah. that say they're FDA approved but honestly the FDA can approve something, even if it just has 5% pure oil in it. So that means the rest of it's synthetic. Uh, Um, If you buy, so they call it greenwash. So if you buy laundry detergent, shampoo, soap, or even foods that say natural ingredients or organic, um, it does not mean that it's safe, safe and healthy for you. It can only have the smallest percentage of something that's pure and the rest can be synthetic and they call it organic or they call it natural.
0: So, so it's, it's not a, really organic. It's just just it's, enough to have the label.
1: It's so it's it, again another topic for another day. But the yep. FDA, CDC, all that—it's a money-making opportunity. They know how okay. to make something with the smallest amount of pure products and call it pure or natural or organic. And you know you're you're eating and ingesting something that's not. So the essential oils for us was. It was a company my wife's been to the convention she's been to a farm she knows how they distill it so what you get in the bottle of a lavender lemon frankincense or whatever it may be it's a hundred percent oil that you're going to get that's going to support something for you internally and even externally for skin support respiratory um again immune system so we looked at what is going to be natural for our family that we can cut the junk out um and put the good things in if god made it to be good
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you look at the research behind of what it can do for you that we need to be consistent in using it. So we changed over to essential oils and product lines of all cleaning products, all of our, um, all of our shampoos and soaps and even supplements is all from young living because it's 100% pure products, good for you. Okay. And we've seen, a, and we've seen a complete turnaround in our health and well, uh, in our health and wellness. So we, we believe in it so much because, like I said earlier, if you take care of your immune system, if there's a better you, J, a a better me, then we're going to do better. Yeah. And if we just put junk inside of us that are toxic, that is that is going to fill us, it's going to harm us, then we're not going to operate the way God wants to operate. So we believe health is so important. And we made a massive change of to Young Living Essential Oils and okay. their products that um, we have seen a hundred percent turnaround in our health in our immune system um, and mm-hmm. things that we needed for even skin support I mean just fill, fill in the blank yeah so we're very passionate about it we're passionate about teaching people about it of getting on this natural trail of of wellness and health and uh, that's that's why we do it man
0: well I'll make sure I put all of that in the description as well. That's what's yeah. up um last question before we get to the, the scripture which is always a staple of the here at the no tech talk. Sure. Um, What would be your favorite? What, what would be a superpower if you could have any of? If you have a any superpower, superpower right now, what would it be?
1: Well, I tell you what, <laughs> I'm going to keep it simple. Even though I believe that I have this characteristic in me, but this okay. is a superpower that I believe we, we highly underestimate, and it's called kindness.
0: Oh, come on, man. No, you got to give back us. Yes. You got kindness already, though. I like got a legit superhero DC Marvel
1: superpower. Oh, man. And now you're going to make me get all, like, super... Okay. Uh, hey, I, I'm good with it. Oh, Bro, I want to fly. Let me just be honest. I want to fly. That's okay. my superpower. <laughs> I want to just jump off my balcony and fly <laughs> right over there to that lake. I just want to fly. I want to go to fly.
0: Yep. I feel like you're limited when you fly because you can't carry that much, right?
1: I want to fly. You're like, and you can I take wanna- I want the Superman kind of power fly. Okay. I oh, okay. In.
0: Yeah. Okay. I can
1: pick up the world or whatever.
0: <laughs> well, mine is always super speed. That's what's up. So the science behind that reason why I'm asking it now is the second we can be doing this. Uh, when people want to fly, they feel grounded. right? So you always ask somebody, no matter if they're new, you meet somebody. Go ask your wife. Like, as soon as we got this call, what would be a superpower? It tells you a lot about people uh when you want to fly that means you feel too grounded like you're stuck in certain issues times and you're like all the time
1: oh i i agree with that
0: yeah but usually uh, cuz like for me i always say i want to be super fast cuz i'm slow like i could run long distance but i'm i'm slow i can't sprint where you know yep. and so uh it kind of lets you know about it kind of lets you know about somebody without them telling you like hey i deal with this it's a great way to sure. do it i always tell people to do that
1: anyway with that but being said, I sad, agree with you because I know sometimes, you know, sometimes I get, you know, I get um, I get in a pattern of being grounded or what I'm doing. Yeah. But, brothers there's times I just want to break out of it and I just want to do the absolute opposite. Uh, yep. I don't mean this in a bad way, but I, I, I tend to want to be a rule breaker sometimes. hmm. And just like, just want to fly away. I want to fly away. And I just want to, <laughs> even if it's something new and take a risk, I just want to fly and jump off the cliff and do it.
0: Yeah. That's good. I know um, we're both extroverts, um, so that helps for sure. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes. Um, so the scripture of the day, and I always say that this scripture is tailored just for you. This is something that I prayed on that I have, uh, that would never be used again on a podcast. And you know, that, would, that nobody would ever get this scripture. And I always say, I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm writing scripture, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but I thought about, and it's weird because it's, it's still about you, but the scriptures, Hebrews thirteen and eight. Uh it says, and I would say go to the English Standard Version. It's just a little theology trick, you know, a little thing they always taught me. English Standard, and you always have like your your two different ones, right? Your King James and your good news. You know, have something that's like in there with something that you can still understand it. But ESV is for me, uh for people that might not be familiar with the Bible, it's like right in the middle, it's just enough where you can understand, but still get yeah. some of that potency, right? Sure. Um it's like i said hebrews 13 and 8 and it's jesus christ is the same yesterday and today and forever so it seems really simple and i'm gonna explain it i'll give you time to kind of say what that means to you as well um a lot of the topics that we discussed today i know we kind of harped in like the uh the racial things is very important because i'm not stopping right so I, i really do appreciate you for for coming on and finally we always so busy with. I, I like the I like the watch. By the way, saw so the wife hooked you up. You. Yeah. <laughs> um. So what that means to me is, um, it's just it's, it was a love thing, and you know, we talked about a heart change as well. And I kind of had to, uh, to do some more research because every time we talk, I think it's important to uh, learn something. It doesn't matter if it's just like over coffee through a podcast. We should always be kind of sharpening each other. So I thought about it because i you know it's simple. Jesus same today, yesterday, and forever. And so when we try to mirror our life or mirror our faith walk to how Christ was, we talked about that for a little bit of how he, you know, had a sense of urgency, how he, the common denominator was always love, right? And I see that in you. Not saying you Jesus, obviously, but I Mm -hmm. see that, you know, because on any given day, you know, we all have our good and bad days. I feel like anybody listening to this that knows Pastor that hey, he said he's a hugger, I was extroverted, you know, and you're the same, which is good. And it's not saying you're grounded or like complacent, but you're consistent. And so that's that's what I, I see when I see you and I feel and I feel you are you consistent. Hey, I'm making a conscious decision to be a man, making the conscious decision to be a husband, a father, yeah. pastor, but all in all a good person. Yeah. And it takes work. And I think people kind of uh look over that. It's like, oh, well, he's always like he's always smiling and he's always Whatever else, and I get that a lot too. Very similar to kind of what I am like. But she don't know what I do. Like I tell my wife, like, "Hey, you fill me up. Like when I'm that's pouring right. in other people. You fill me up, right? You know." And so, like, I think a lot of times people forget uh, that we're human, extroverted human. And we all now we're just happy. And so that's kind of True. what I got, you know, for you because, like, just as Christ, you know, was the same. today. it takes a lot, but we're not Christ, and we don't have that supernatural, <laughs> you know, tank, right? Yeah. yeah. And so from a human aspect, uh, it says a lot. To emulate that, not saying you're perfect, again, by any means, but to emulate that on a daily basis, uh, I commend you for that. And I, I do that on every podcast. I, I don't have people on just for no reason. I commend you for yeah. for grinding it out and, you know, not just doing what people think you should do, but going above and beyond and being great. So that's kind of what I feel. And I you, love it, man. Yeah. How, well, what
1: for, Go ahead. Well, thank thank you for acknowledging that I'm not perfect.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Nobody. you know, we, we try to be Christ-like, but... You know, it's it's the, but to be, to have that, uh, level, you know, excellency.
1: Well, I I appreciate that scripture big time. Um, I love that scripture. And so you're right, Jay, it does take work to, you know, there I have bad days. Yeah. I have days that I don't want to smile. I have days that, um, that are tough. And so that scripture means a lot to me because Jesus kept it so simple you hit the nail on the head at the end of the day he told his disciples that if you are going to be a disciple then you are to love one another and I think when we get out of that box of complicating things uh, and we get in our own feelings where it can mess things up that we just need to get back to the very basics of what love means because mm. love love covers a multitude of sins and when we truly are disciples of Christ and we truly love one another that we carry each other's burdens um, that's a whole different ball game. I can say, I love you, but if we're not going to do life together mm-hmm. and just be real with you, I can say, Hey, Jay, how are you? Oh man, I'm good. Hey, Dwight, how are you? I'm good. That's so yeah. surface. But if we're willing to be raw and just real and genuine, that's where change takes place. And I can still love you no matter what kind of day you have or what you go through, or if you make a mistake, because I know that that Jay is going to be, is going to change. He's not going to mm-hmm. stay the same. We're not perfect. You, you, you hit that nail on the head. we are going to make mistakes. Um, you got to take risk. You got to be willing to fail a couple of times, but get back on your feet. And even through the bad days, I still got to choose love because that's what gets me out of bed every single stinking day. That's good. That's, to that love God, good. to love my wife, to love yeah. my kids, to love you, to love people in our church and to keep giving them a hug that I like to give. <laughs>
0: Nice. That's awesome. Well, like I, I'm not going to take too much of your time today. You're a very busy man. Thank you for coming on. Uh Thank it's you, been the privilege and an honor to have you on, man, to kind of get yourself on a lot of a variety of topics. And I do think that we're, we just change the world. Right? Absolutely. This this is what it's all about. Having these conversations, putting it out for people to hear, to give them a different perspective on all sides. Black, white, yeah. purple, gray, light brown, you know whatever, right? Yeah. Um, but This is all. You got anything else to say before we out?
1: Man, I'm good. I just appreciate you what you're trying to do, man. So you keep keep doing what you're doing.
0: Thank you. This has always been a reminder to live with a no tact in your life. Uh, Live on purpose.
1: Peace. Peace, man. Take care.